The, uh, the plan, the, the hope for this service is that it transitions us from darkness to light. Technically, we are uh, lying in wait between the, the darkness of Good Friday and the, the light uh, of Easter morning, between the, the blackest event that we can imagine, the death of the Son of God, and the, the most hopeful event that we can imagine, the victory of good over evil, the, uh, the victory of Christ, the confirmation that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords, that at last he has come, and the promise made all the way back in Genesis uh, 3, 15, uh, has been realized. So this is a service in which we are... Uh, Standing in between, everything is sort of suspended. Uh, we're caught in the middle. And um, we could see this as a metaphor for much of life that is spent waiting, sort of soldiering on after bad news, hoping that things get better. Um, perhaps it would be appropriate at a time like this to say it's always darkest before the dawn. Um, that would be fitting because this night, Easter Saturday, was a particularly bleak and dark moment 2,000 years ago. It's impossible for us to really go there because we know that uh, Sunday's coming. We know that the light will come. We know how the story ends. We're not just, but we go there too quickly, uh, especially as evangelicals. We're too quick to look to the resurrection and to move past the crucifixion. Um, I looked up, I did some research to figure out if perhaps that statement, it's always darkest before the dawn, was somehow linked to Easter Saturday. Uh, it seems like that would be appropriate if it was. turns out that it's not. Uh, it was first given by Thomas Fuller, an English theologian. Uh, he was in 1650, but it seems like he was giving it in terms of more general encouragement, sort of like a... Uh, a uh, football coach might give it halftime if you're down 28 to nothing. But, um, of course, in that context, it's not even true. If you're down 28 to nothing at half, you're probably going to lose uh, 56 to nothing. That's what, um, that's what would seem to be the case. Some, therefore, have said it's always darkest before it goes pitch black. Um, those were likely the thoughts of the disciples as they gathered together on Easter Saturday. Uh, it's bad but it's going to get worse, right? I'm going to die next. Uh, Certainly that's the way this is going to unfold. And really, do I even care? Because what, you know, my whole life has been revolving around Jesus, and and I thought he was going to do these remarkable things, and uh, now all of that is spinning out of control. It would be a while before the disciples would would really be able to understand and lean into the good news that comes their way when the tomb is discovered to be empty. It would would be a long time before the cross, which was understood to be this horrific emblem of torture and unspeakable death and humiliation, would become uh, jewelry that people would wear uh, sort of to advertise their allegiance to Christ or because they think it's something attractive. 2,000 years ago, the disciples were in full retreat mode. As I've said, we're not. We can't go there. Um, We can't block out the hope. We know that he arose. But we try, 
um, we try to lean into that just a little bit with a Good Friday service and this Easter vigil service. This is actually a very old uh, custom, uh, one of the oldest services of the entire church calendar, and in many traditions, it's the longest service of the year. Some Easter vigil services go seven, eight hours. We're only going to go five and a half, so... uh, don't panic. Um, they were used, that Easter vigil service was used to rehearse the, the sweep of salvation history from all the way back in Genesis and to sort of trace the prophetic uh, foreshadowings of Christ and to, and to go into Christ's life so that when you celebrate an empty tomb, you do so out of the context of this long unfolding plan that God has given to us. So there's lots of scripture that is read during those, um, that long Easter vigil service. Um, we want people who understand how dark it can be and how dark it was to, to be able to lean into how bright it becomes when the tomb turns out to be empty. During the worst part of um, World War II, when London was being mercilessly bombed by the blitzkrieg of the, of the German Nazi army, It's reported that Winston Churchill sat in a bunker and planned the invasion of Germany. He was looking ahead. He had confidence that uh, very few others had. It's it's, uh, a confidence that, in one sense, we might say Sunday is coming. We don't have to have the measure of confidence that Churchill had um, because, again, we know what is going to happen. What we're going to do now is symbolically begin to transition the cross. It was draped in black when you came in. It's white, and we're going to uh, make it whiter. So we're going to go into communion, and, um, and I'm going to pray in just a minute and set that up, and then we're going to dismiss, and you'll come up row by row and stop and uh, partake of communion. And then you'll come up to one of these two stations, uh, where you will be handed, uh, you'll be handed a flower, and then you're going to take it back to Boone or to Zach, and they're going to uh, fold that into the cross. And so, as we move closer and closer to Easter morning, the cross becomes uh, a symbol of victory, a symbol of of God's payment, uh, a symbol that that death loses. Uh, Jesus defeated it, and and indeed. What we look forward to ultimately is that uh, the last thing to be destroyed, we're told in 1 Corinthians, will be death itself. So it's not just that death will be defeated, it will be destroyed. And uh, all the promises, I mean that's part of the good news of Easter. The, the confirmation that Christ is who he claimed to be, that God fulfills his promises. So all those future promises that we look forward to uh, find a confirmation in an empty tomb and uh, in a demonstration of the love of God for us. So, if you're a Christ follower, independent of membership at this local congregation, you are invited to partake uh, in the sacrament of Holy Communion. And I'm going to set that up for us and then uh, pray for us. And as I said, um, why don't those who are going to help distribute the communion, communion elements come forward now. And... So we'll just dismiss by rows. You do not have to step forward if you don't want to, but we'll dismiss by rows. You'll come to the communion table. 
you'll be given the bread and, and hear that this is the body of Christ given for you. You'll then receive the cup. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then uh, after you partake of the communion elements, you'll step forward uh, and, and uh, Shet or Nora are going to hand you a flower and then you'll hand it to, uh, to, to Zach or to Boone. And then you will return uh, to, your, to your pew down the center aisle. And we'll have music going on um, through that entire time. And we're just reflecting on the, the darkness is getting pushed back slowly. So, on Thursday, not Easter Saturday, but backing up a few days, on Thursday, Christ gathered with his uh, disciples in the upper room. It was for their Passover celebration, but Jesus changed it. He took the bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat. And in a similar manner, after supper, Christ took the cup, and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let me pray for us. Father, we're uh, quite aware that uh, the full magnitude and power of the events that we are rehearsing here is lost on us. We can't understand how uh, dark it was. We can't fully appreciate how light it becomes. Uh, how, how good the good news is. But we are aware that uh, you kept your promise. And we are aware that the 1,000, 1,500-year lead-up of the Passover celebration was changed because you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, who, who um, died, and that it is his sacrifice that we celebrate and remember. His death is the pivot point of all of history. We thank you for that, and uh, we pray now that during the, the rest of this time that we have as we partake of Holy Communion and as we uh, transition the cross into from something dark and ugly and horrific and an emblem of death and torture and humiliation into something beautiful, um, help us to uh, understand, appreciate in a new way all that you've done for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.